0: Give this to you. Amen. Good morning. You can be seated. We're going to be in Acts thirteen, so if you want to make your way to that uh, this morning, before we do, I, we've, I've had a, a somewhat eventful week. Uh, Thursday, Friday, particularly. My wife is in Texas with our son, his his wife, and our two grandsons. She's down there about a week. She got a call on Thursday. Night, uh, Thursday in Texas, and we have five boys and one girl. Our two of our sons are prodigals at this point. One of them, we didn't know where he was, so my, my wife got a call from San Jose, California, which we we knew that in that area is where he had been last, living on the streets. He's got a drug problem, all kinds of mess, uh, basically. So she got a call, and as it turns out, a week ago Thursday, our son Marcus, who's 25 was on a Razor scooter in San Jose, and he got hit by a U-Haul truck. And so he is in intensive care in San Jose. They've had to uh, remove part of his skull because his brain is, he got hit in the head. His brain is swelling, so he's intubated. He's out. We're not sure how long. They said it could be a month. there. He's critical but stable. So if you would pray for our son, Marcus, we would appreciate that. What we're hoping is, uh, we're, we're trusting he's gonna make it, and that this will maybe be a turning point for him in his life. And so we we pray for our boys and our daughter every morning by name. We pray for them. We say, Lord, put your hand upon them, draw them to yourself. And the way that God works sometimes is severe. If this is, uh, we're hoping that's what it is. We do believe he's a prodigal. We believe that he is saved. He does know Jesus. He's just uh, the devil's gotten his clutches in him in drugs and many other things. So his name is Marcus. And so if you would remember to pray for him, we would love to see. Uh, we're probably going to make a trip down there and, and see him, hopefully, but he's, right now he's out. So that happened Thursday. Friday, my son Brandon and I are heading to the men's retreat, and um, we're on I-5. It's bumper-to-bumper in the main lanes, but in the carpool lane, uh, it wasn't. So we're going along, and then we, we were stopped for a moment as it backs up, and we're sitting there having our Chick-fil-A fries and sauce, and he's got a mount, uh, Mountain Dew up to his, his uh mouth, and we got rear-ended pretty severely by, uh, by someone. We don't know what happened to because I didn't see it. I wasn't looking in my mirror, but we got whacked. And so uh, I'm a little sore. I think my Brandon, Brandon might be a little uh, more sore, but he's young. He can absorb it. I'm old. I can't take it, all right? But um, anyway, we never made it to the men's retreat. Now, he- here's the I don't know how all this works, and this is part of what I'm going to talk about today here in the Holy Spirit, but I don't know how the Holy Spirit works, but I'm beginning to believe that maybe the Holy Spirit actually uses Siri uh, uh, to direct us, because when I we were I picked up Brandy's in Federal Way, and we're on, on 99, and Siri was telling me to stay seven or eight miles on... 99, before I got onto I-5, well, I said, nah, I'm going to get onto I-5, and this happened. So I don't know how all that stuff works. Uh, I know that God caused all things to work together for good, but I think I might listen to Syria a little closer now that um, <laughs> that happens. So the men's retreat, I've heard it's going awesome, and that's where they are, so we're praying for them. Um, just uh, Pastor Gary Vanderhoff is speaking, and I've heard it's just been going fantastic. Sorry that we couldn't be, we, we didn't make it, but um, we're thankful, are we not, For the Lord's Holy Spirit and Him directing our lives no matter what's happening. So this morning, I want to talk to you about two things in Acts chapter 13. The Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. And as we look at chapter 13, it's chock full of things concerning the Word of God. And it begins with the Holy Spirit and the chapter ends with the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about two things, prayer and preaching the gospel. All these things are so vital to our faith. Prayer... Preaching the gospel, the word of God, and the Holy Spirit of God, and as I've said many times, the Holy Spirit of God works through the Word of God to change the people of God. I have preached that from the pulpit at times. I've also said that many times to myself in my private pulpit of my heart. I need the Word of God, and I need the Holy Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit, uses, but the, the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God transforms the people of God. They are but, both vital elements of a growing, thriving, courageous faith. And so, in this whole idea of the Word and the Spirit, someone said this, you need balance between the Word and the Spirit. If you have just the Word, you will dry up. If you have just the Spirit, you will blow up. If you have the Word and the Spirit, you will grow up. And I say, amen. We need both. And God has clearly communicated that to us That we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we need the power of the Word of God. That's the source. I believe that's the substance that the Holy Spirit works with. So I say, give him as much as you can, because I don't know about you, but me, I need all the work of God I can in my life. So I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I want to be filled with the Word of God. So Romans 10, uh, we're talking about this whole uh, book of Acts. I believe the Holy Spirit is hammering, if you will, gently as he does, That we are commissioned to preach the gospel to all creatures. I believe that's in our hearts as believers. But there are many fears that come along with that. There are many insecurities that come along. There are many, how does that work? And what does that look like? And how does it, and it's going to be different for all of us because we're uniquely created in God's image. But we're uniquely created. So there are different ways that God's going to use our lives. But Jesus said we are the, what, light of the world. We are the salt of the world. We're to be a preservative. We're to be a penetrating into the hearts and minds of people. We're to be a light that's exposing. We're to be a light that's comforting, giving people direction, understanding. That's our lives. That, that's what we are to be. And Jesus said these things were to be taken through the gospel and preaching them to every creature. So with that in mind, God wants to get us out there. That's why I've called this Get Out There Church. We, we talked about Keep Praying Church last week. Get out there, church. We need to get out there. We already are out there in many ways. So these are those things about which the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, prayer, preaching the gospel, these are the things that continue. I am continually reminded that I need to stay at it in these things. I talked about that last week. The same t- today. We need to stay at it in these things, knowing that we need them in our lives. We are just earthen vessels through whom, though, God wants to work in our. S- lives as soul winners he wants us to be light and salt he wants us to be that for his glory and our good for his grace and our good so romans 10 says this whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved how then shall they call on him in whom they have not heard or not believed and how shall they believe in him in whom they have not let me start again How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And Paul talks about that in in this chapter. We've been given this message that that it's the message of glad tidings. So as a born-again believer, we have been given all that we need to get out there and live out a courageous and contagious, soul-winning witness. And I do believe that's on every one of our hearts. Because we know that's the most important thing that God can ever do in a person's life is to bring them to salvation. And we are, for some reason, God has orchestrated or he orchestrates it through us, these earthen vessels. So I have three very simple, doable things for this high calling of God, I believe on any life. Three simple, do it doable things. The first one is this. Get out there and depend on God the Holy Spirit from the very beginning to the very end. Get out there, church, and depend on God the Holy Spirit from the very beginning to the very end. Verses 1 through 12. And as I said, verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said... Now, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, notice verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. So, I look at that, this chapter, from beginning to end, it's about the Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible is about the Holy Spirit from beginning to end. Our lives and salvation are about the Holy Spirit from beginning to end. So, in this case, it is the beginning of what is called Paul's first missionary journey. But whether it's the beginning of a missionary trip, or the beginning of a business trip, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit from the very beginning to the very end. Whether it's the beginning of a vacation, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit from the very beginning to the very end. Whether it's the beginning of a new day or a new year, as believers, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit from the very beginning to the very end. It might be the beginning of an interview for a job. It might be the beginning of a job. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit from the very beginning to the very end. It may be a class that you're starting. It may be a meeting. It may be a counseling session. It may be some group, support group. You and I need to depend on the Holy Spirit from the very beginning to the very end. Can I hear an amen? In other words, God is with us from the very beginning to the very end in all matters. It doesn't matter how small it may seem or how large it may be, be foreboding. God is with us. He's given to us his Holy Spirit, and by his Holy Spirit, he wants to accomplish things in everything that we do, in every place that we go, in everything we set our hearts to do. God, by his Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We need the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we all have a sphere of influence. And as we go into the workplace or the classroom or we go into a meeting or we go home, That's our sphere of influence, that the Holy Spirit has has inhabited these earthen vessels that we might make an impact no matter where that might be. And I say, wow, that is so cool. It's very hopeful. That's why Jesus said, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit. So depend on God the Holy Spirit from the very beginning to the very end. And listen, it doesn't matter if you're crossing an ocean or crossing the street. God wants to use your life to impact this world for all eternity. He wants to use you. He's given you everything you need to be used by him to bring people to know Jesus Christ and be saved from their sin. So, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, when asked the reason for his success in ministry, replied this, I said to the Lord, you can have all there is of William Booth, unquote. William Booth discovered this, though. It is not how much of the Holy Spirit do I have, but how much the Holy Spirit has of me. That's depending on the Holy Spirit. And I love this whole thing that God has clearly communicated, that I can depend on the Holy Spirit for all things. He wants me to depend on the Holy Spirit for all things. In a sense, I can relax in my faith in God by trusting him that whatever's going on, whether it's an accident I-5 or my son or whatever, that God wants to work in those situations and he will work in them. I believe that God causes what? All things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He takes my failures and makes them his victory. He takes my weakness and makes them his strength. He takes my sorrows and makes them his comfort. And that's what he does. He's a master at doing just that. The things that we go, well, how can anything good come out of this? God said, listen, I am good and I am with you. And I can cause all things, not that all things are good, to work together for good to you who love me. And I say, I'm going to relax and love God. You see, what's been on my mind for the last few months, I want to really enjoy the ministries that God's given me as a person. As a man, I want to, I'm 65 this month. I want to enjoy whatever many years that God gives me. I want to enjoy them. I don't want to be fretting over them. I don't want to be wondering. I want to enjoy God in them. And I trust that I'm growing in that whole thing that we talked about last week of really trusting God and laying it all out for him and letting him do whatever he wants in my life because that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to do that for us. So you look at this group of men They were prophets and teachers, Barnabas. Now, he was from the island of Cyprus. He was a Levite, a Jewish priest. Simeon, who's called Niger, this is verse one. An African name, probably from Nigeria. Some believe, this is interesting, this is none other than Simon the Cyrenian, who was compelled to carry Jesus' cross. You get this diverse background of these names, prominent leaders in the church, you get Lucius of Cyrene. His name is Latin, probably from Africa, but of Roman culture. You get Manaean, who was a boyhood friend of Herod Antipas, and he's the one who, ex- who had John the Baptist executed, friend of his. You have Saul of Tarsus. Now, we're learning all about Saul of Tarsus. He's this Jew raised in a Greek culture who had a very sordid past. So you get this gathering together of these, it says, certain prophets and teachers. Now, such diverse backgrounds, but all making a difference. God calling them, they're making a difference. And so, listen, here's the, get out there because you are uniquely going to be able to make a difference that no one else can. No matter what your background, the diversity of it, your life can make a difference, a unique difference because you are uniquely created As an individual whom God wants to send out into this world. They minister to the Lord and fast. Now this, again, is a a fascinating thing to me. That they minister to the Lord. I often think, well, I'm going to minister to people. But I don't really think of myself as ministering to the Lord. How do we minister to the Lord? I think it's very simple. God loves to spend time with us. He loves it. You know, if the only time you hear from someone is when they have a need. That can get pretty... (laughs) laborious after a while. Every time the phone, when you see the name there, oh, well, they're just gonna want something. And, you know, it gets a little like, but man, when someone just wants to spend time with you, God wants to just spend time with us. It ministers, if you will, to their heart, just like someone just wanting to spend time. No agenda. My phone's off. My calendar's stowed away. No, I just want to spend time with you, Lord. God loves that. And we need that. We need that. If our lives are gonna be renewed day by day, we need time with him. So there's an old song that I love that Bob Bennett, I don't even know what year it was, but a long time ago. It's called Madness Dancing. Anybody ever heard this song? Okay, you're old. (laughs) Listen to what he writes. It's called Madness Dancing. In the middle of this madness I am dancing, though I'm not sure why just now. I tried to be sober, tried to be logical, but I could not stop my feet. I know I have not turned off my mind. I know there is evil all around me. But for now, it's outside, and I am in my room, and joy is like a crashing tide. I don't want to burn no books. Don't want to argue rock and roll. I don't want to shoot anyone with my high-powered doctrine gun. Let the madness roll on like a hungry beast. No one will miss me. No one will miss me. For a half an hour at least. A song came this morning and woke me. And as I listened, then I found that I was not alone. I was standing, moving, dancing on holy ground. The whole idea is, you know, a lot of times I, I just love the worship. Because you go away, uh, you come on Sunday, you hear a song, and it sticks with you. Through the, through the, through the week. And you're sort of inside dancing to it a little bit. And that's the picture here. There's madness all around, but I am in my room. No one's going to miss me for half, because I'm just there with the Lord. And I woke up with a song, and I found myself dancing and realized I'm dancing on holy ground. I'm not trying to get my high-powered doctrine. I'm not going to argue rock and rock. I just want to spend time with the Lord. Love it. So they minister to the Lord, and then it says, and they fasted. In other words, as they're doing this, what they're trying to do is catch what the Holy Spirit is saying or what the Holy Spirit's doing. So they're ministering to the Lord and fasted, trying to catch what the Holy Spirit may be saying to them. Verse 2, the Holy Spirit said, now how, by the way, we're not going to get through this chapter today, so you can relax. <laughs> I'm going to share a little bit, but uh, we, there, there's just some things on my heart I feel that we need to hear this morning on this whole area of hearing the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And how that works coupled with each other. So I hope you're reading before we come, next week, chapter 14, one chapter a week. I hope you'll read that. Let the Holy Spirit minister you. This morning, there's some things on my heart I want to share, some personal things and other things. How does this whole thing work with hearing the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit said this. The Holy Spirit sent them. The Holy Spirit separated them. The Holy Spirit said, okay, set sail. And that's what we find in this, in this chapter. So the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. So I believe in this instant, instance, It was probably a prophetic word because there were teachers, prophets, and teachers there. So probably through the gift of prophecy. Now, prophecy can be foretelling, which means there's a prompting of response. Whereas, uh, excuse me, that's foretelling. So the foretelling, there's something God's saying that's prompting from us a response. But then there's foretelling, which is predictive. In nature. It's prophetic in saying this is what's going to happen in a year or two years. And we find that in the book of Acts. A famine's coming. Or whatever it might be. That's foretelling. But foretelling, I believe, is much more common. In fact, as I'm teaching the word, as you're reading the word, I believe that's the word, that's the gift of foretelling. God is, in a sense, speaking to us prophetically, if you will, as he's saying things to our hearts. So, prophecy can be either of those. In this case... There's a word that comes, the Holy Spirit said to separate and send these two men out. Get them out there. Now, this summer, beginning the week after our vacation Bible school for seven Wednesdays, which take us through July and all of August, we're going to be gathering in here and we're going to wait on the Lord together. How many of you, if you would just stick your hand up real quick and high, how many of you know what an afterglow is? Okay. How many have no idea what an afterglow is? Okay, and some of you don't know what you think. <laughs> an afterglow is something I was so familiar with, but when Sarah uh, took over our women's ministry, she brought up this thing about the afterglow. There's a book on it, which, I, which I've since gotten, to remind me again, an afterglow, really it comes from that whole story when Moses said to God, I want to see your glory. And God said to Moses, you can't see my glory, but here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock, I'm going to put my hand over you. I'm going to pass by, and I'm going to take it off, and you can see my afterglow. You can see sort of my presence, the the glory, but it's just sort of the afterglow. It's like God in all of his glory, and we're getting the glimpse of how glorious he is because God said you can't see it all because you'd perish. That's the idea of an afterglow. So on those seven, seven Wednesdays, we're going to look at the gifts of the Spirit in mainly 1 Corinthians but other Romans also the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then we're gonna take some time, as we did in our prayer summit. Some of you came to our prayer summit. We took a little time at the end just to wait on the Lord and allow the Lord and the gifts of the Spirit to understand the gifts, allow the gifts. I look at some of these things that we do as laboratories. Because we don't know. We don't understand them. And God knows that also. So we're learning from the word. We're going to learn how does the Holy Spirit operate. Who has the gift of prophecy? Is that a prophecy? Was that a word of wisdom? There's there's the whole gift of tongues. Now I don't know what you think about tongues. It's the most confusion of all the gifts. Because you can't explain it away. But I believe the gift of tongues is for today. I operate in the gift of tongues. I believe it's something God gives to those who desire that. But here's the thing. I'm I'm getting on a rabbit trail a little bit. I do not believe that. The, e- the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of fullness of the Spirit, is speaking in tongues. I don't believe that. I don't think it's scriptural. But some have that gift and operate in that gift. We'll learn about th- those gifts also. There's gifts of helps and all kinds of things. So I'm really looking for that because I even called up Daniel Fusco, who is the pastor of Calvary. Uh, that's actually Crossroads in Vancouver. Because they, they, I, I knew that they did them. I wasn't quite sure. And he said, those meetings, which they have regularly, have changed his church. And we need—do we not need time together to wait in the Lord and let Him speak to us? So I'm really excited about that. There'll be worship, the Word, and then we'll just have some time of hearing the Lord together. In fact, two Sundays ago, when Doris fainted in here because she was dehydrated, someone came—a couple people came to me after and just thought that was so sweet. And I—I I, I was up here; I was just waiting for 20, 25 minutes, just waiting. And people started to pray, and that's the sense that the Holy Spirit was just here as a church. We had a concern, and people started praying. And it was just like a little afterglow. It wasn't all, you know, wild at all. It was just the sense of the Holy Spirit speaking and ministering together as a church and how we need that, how we need that. I believe we have little here, just even here on Sundays, whenever we get together. So anyway, I'll use up all my time just talking about that. So number one, we want to catch what the Holy Spirit's saying. So they prayed and fasted. But then, order to know this. We need to critique everything that is said. All prophecy must be critiqued. In other words, it will never contradict the word of God. If it, if, and if it doesn't come to pass, then it was not the Lord, if it's predictive in nature. I have had prophecies given to myself about my personal life and then also about Calvary Chapel South. And as I, re- as I heard them, I thought, now this doesn't seem weird, but I'm going to just sort of, I asked them, I've actually asked three or four different people, would you write that out for me? And then I just put in a little file and say, to see, if, is that the Lord doing that? And it's, it's just something to say, wow, here's something that I got 10 years ago, and God did it. And God wants to do that. He knows all things. So I've received those, but I'll hide them away a little bit and just say, okay, let's test all things, as Paul told the Thessalonians, test all things, hold fast to what is good. Don't. Quench the spirit, he says first, but test all things and hold fast to what is good. And so that's just, that's just uh, wisdom. Prophecy should never be the sole basis for our decisions. They need to be critiqued. They need to be then confirmed. And then they need to be affirmed. And that's what they did here in, in Acts. I asked uh, Jeff, Jeff and Sarah Seiner, who many of you know, to remind me of the process because when I was studying, that came to mind. The process of them, 12 years ago, going up to Alaska. And so here's what Jeff wrote to me. He's at the men's retreat. He said, we were praying about the Lord, what the Lord wanted us to do. Felt like we were being slimmed down and that, we, are, that we, are going, we were going somewhere. Went to the conference seeking the Lord. This is a pastor's conference, a leader's conference. During the afterglow, When Jason Garcia was doing worship, I had a vision of Alaska in flaming red letters against a black background. Now, I've never had that, but that's what happened. I'll read more. One time for me, one time in all of my walking with the Lord, did something physical happen that I said, that's God. I used to be an elder up at Calvary Fellowship. We had a Friday morning prayer meeting. One of the meetings... Dan Bushy, who many of you also know, he was the first missionary out of Calvary Fellowship. He sent a letter. He's in Nepal. He sends a letter to Wayne. Wayne reads it at that meeting. And basically what he said is we're looking for someone or a couple to come to Nepal and help us out. When he read that, I will tell you literally, before God, my heart actually leaped. And I said, okay, I think we're the people, we're the couple. We were just married, Charlotte and I, and we went over to Nepal for five months. I want to tell you this. It was very difficult. I had dysentery for five months. When I came back, people saw me and they thought I was going to die, literally, because I wasn't my my usual buff self, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Because I had dysentery for five months. I subsisted on ketchup and rice. That's what I did. I didn't like it. In fact, you know what I had as a vision over there? A Whopper from Burger King. (laughs) I kept having these visions, a Whopper from Burger King. The reason that we stayed five months, three months originally, was that I knew God put us there. And I can look back now and thank the Lord for that whole experience that we had as a married couple, just married, and as getting out there and seeing things that I would never have seen otherwise. So God's good, is he not? But as, so let me go on with Jeff. I got, I'm getting all sidetracked today. We might be here until four o'clock. Who knows? I spent the night praying, overwhelmed, and with a gift of faith, confident that at some point we would be in Alaska. I asked you, speaking about me, John, Pastor John Paul, to pray for me the following morning. Afternoon session, Pastor Wayne asked if there was anyone interested in Alaska missions. So he has this, we pray for him in the morning, that afternoon, unbeknownst to any of us, Pastor Wayne says, is anyone interested in Alaska missions because we're going to have a meeting. So three families were called out, of whom all started fellowships eventually. In the meantime of waiting and praying for timing, I went to New Hope with Steve Augusto. The Lord had provided fully, supernaturally for the trip to Africa, and I was wondering why was I so confident in Alaska? If I feel called to Africa, will we stop all, we will stop all pursuit because I may be just confused. So he's trying to... He's he's trying to assess this, trying to understand, is this the Lord or not, which is very wise. The first person I met getting out of the car at New Hope was a lady from Wasilla, Alaska. Many confirmations he wrote, many challenges and discouragements along the way, but that's how God called him to Alaska. And they went up there, and I will tell you, because we were very connected, for 12 years they stayed up there, and there were a lot of difficulties with that. But I know, and if you ask Sarah and you ask Jeff, they are so thankful that God gave them 12 years. Now, here's the thing that happened. They come back, and we're glad you're back. Yeah. Um, They come back, and I really hadn't even thought about it. But when they came back, up there 12 years, when they went up to Alaska, do you know how old they were in the Lord? About four years. Jeff had come to me four years. Ago. I wanted to be disciples, so I took him under my wing. I discipled him, but they were only four years old in the Lord, and they went up there, and God used them in many, many powerful ways up in Alaska. Now, I think Alaska is like the last place I'd ever want to go. If you, I don't like cold. But God called them there, and God used them there. And I'm saying, see, that's the uniqueness of how God not only called them, but used them up there. And they transitioned the church. They transitioned the church to a whole other couple that God also provided from San Antonio, Texas. It's interesting. It was Calvary Chapel, South Anchorage, CCSA. And the couple that came came from Calvary Chapel, San San Antonio, CCSA. So I don't know if that's the Lord or not, but I like those kind of things. So as with Jeff and Sarah, so with all of us, let's get out there as God calls us. No matter what our age, let's get out there. We're unique. God calls us uniquely. Let's sort of pay attention and say, God, what do you want from me? How do you want to use me? Where do you want me going? I have this, I have zero doubt that the greatest source, infinitely beyond all others, is hearing and discerning the Holy Spirit by the word of God. In other words, the Word of God is so essential to beginning to discern and hear the voice of God, hear the Holy Spirit, hear the directing of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, not just that, but you couple that, as they did here, with prayer, you couple that with fellowship, you couple that with regular times of fasting. So I'm gonna ask you again, I'm gonna ask you this question Do you fast regularly? It might be one meal a week. It might be one day a week. It might be two meals a day, whatever it is. Do you have that on your spiritual calendar? Because I believe it is so, so helpful that maybe it's just one meal. And it's, I like to do breakfast just because if I start eating, I want to do lunch. So I do breakfast. I'll do breakfast and lunch at times. But some meal just set aside, and when the hunger pangs, they say, oh, I'm praying because I want to hear from the Lord. I'm praying because I want the Lord to direct my life. And they hear fat. We read it twice. They fasted. They're trying to confirm what they believe God's doing. And there's nothing that's more helpful, I believe, than setting aside something that causes me to realize my physical appetites are there, but what's more important is my spiritual appetite for God and hearing him, not hearing my stomach crying out to me. So together, these things, let me say them again, the Holy Spirit of God, the Word of God, coupled with prayer, fellowship, and regular times of fasting, these things together tune our spiritual senses to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying, to know just who you are listening to, because there are a lot of voices out there. Would you say amen to that? There are a lot of voices out there that are constantly bombarding what we're thinking. We need clarity, we need spiritual senses that know these things, know who it is that we really are listening to. On a balmy October afternoon in 1982, Badger Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin was packed. More than 60,000 diehard University of Wisconsin fans were watching their football team take on Michigan State University it soon became obvious that Michigan State had a far better team. What seemed odd, however, as the score became more lopsided, were the bursts of applause and shouts of joy from the Wisconsin fans. Even though their team was being pummeled on the field by the opposing team, they were smiling and high-fiving each other as if they were winning rather than losing. How could this be? It turned out that 70 miles away... The Milwaukee Brewers were beating the St. Louis Cardinals in game three of the 1982 World Series. Now, this is 1982. So he goes on to say, many of the fans in the stands were listening to portable radios. How many remember portable radios? And responding to something other than what they saw going on in the, on the field. So they're tuning in to this wonderful victory of the Milwaukee Brewers. And they're, yeah, we're getting thrashed, but hey, there's something going on. And I think when you look at this world, it, it can look like we're being thrashed we got to tune in to the victories that God's given to us. we got to tune in to what God's doing. And that, again, the word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, fellowship together, prayer, times of fasting, to tune our spiritual senses. So with these as the source from which God's blessings flow, some of my personal experience in hearing the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you this right off the start, many of the times, most of the time, it's in hindsight. I realized that God's hand was upon me. And I love that verse. You've hedged me behind me before and laid your hand upon me. That God was there working. Even as I came out from New York to California, I had no idea of Costa Mesa, California. I had no idea of Calvary Chapel, none of that. But the Holy Spirit, and I look back and say, the Holy Spirit has led me all the way. And so a lot of times for me, it's hindsight to say, wow, look what God did. Look what he did. Many times for me, there's an opportunity that comes and I think opportunities many times are God's means of giving us and directing us opportunities to serve Him. So, what's on your heart? What opportunities out there for you? Now, of course, that is not in sin. Can you hear an amen? I'm not saying, "Oh God, shall we sin that grace may abound?" Well, I don't have to tell you that. Perish the thought. No, the Holy Spirit is never going to lead us into sin. He's going to lead us out of sin. But many opportunities. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. So as we're loving God, you know, I often think of, you know, my kids. If my son comes up to says, dad, I just want to help you out. How can I do that? Oh, really? Well, I'm going to give you the worst job I ever want to do. No. My son comes and says, I want to do, I want to help you out. How can I help you out? I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to join Let's go do this. I, that, that's like the light of my heart. When we come to God, I say, God, I just want to serve you. We say, well, don't ask God that because he might send you to Africa. God's not like that. I believe that God, the first thing God does in leading is he moves our hearts. He moves our hearts. He gives us in our, this desire that's there. And yes, it may be with fear and trepidation. It may be something I have no idea what I'm doing. When Calvary Chapel South began, I was on a plane to Japan with Wayne Taylor before we started. I said to Wayne, I said, Wayne, I, don't, I haven't taught the Bible like you. I've taught some, but not like you. I don't know it like you do. And Wayne turned to me and said, you know what? That's probably why God's gonna make you a pastor so you can learn the word. I said, okay, I can run with that one. You see, God's gonna take and use us and wants to do that. So opportunities and taking the opportunities and looking at the desires of our hearts and saying, okay, Lord, is that, really? You, you, yeah, I'm with you. Let's go for it. Let's go do that. I also always look at what I call my peace gauge that's on my dashboard. Do I have Peace about this. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your what? Request be known unto God, and what? The peace of God will guard your hearts and mind. I believe God gives us peace. That's not to say it comes without a challenge or we need to take a step of courage, but there's a peace about it. Now, I'll give you just a practical, ground-level thing that just, we, Charlotte and I, have just come out of. I have built us two houses in the course of our marriage, and I love to build. And so I built two, and we're living in one that I didn't build right now, but I, one of my desires has been I want to build a little rambler somewhere on a little piece of property, you don't have any lawn, I'm gonna concrete the whole thing so I don't have to mow the thing. <laughs> it's a little, and so we started a year plus ago looking for property. Is there something out there? And we came across this plot right where we want to be, right next to us, and, and the, it hadn't ever been built on, but it, it could incorporate five houses. So then I started thinking again, oh, okay, well, I'll build five houses and I'll have one for my son and one for my other son and we'll just have a little commune of the day compound, okay? And so we started pursuing those and then another lot came up right next to it so now we could do 10 houses. I'm saying, whoa, 10 houses, yeah. And then I drive by there because it's right by where we are now, which we love. I drive by there and I just go, in fact, they're building another house. I'm looking at that and going, I know how much work that is. (laughs) I'm 65. I just don't know if I have it in me anymore. But all the way along, Things were happening, we're sort of doing our homework. All the way along, though, I never had peace. I felt like just, yeah, I could do that, and knowing myself, I could do it, but I might die in the meantime. (laughs) And so the Lord just never, and so, but I'll tell you, letting that go, those lots, was hard. Okay, Lord, I'm going to relinquish that. But when I did, I had the peace of God. I knew, okay, that was what I need to be doing there are other things in my life right now that are way more important than building us a little rambler. So what I'm praying now is Lord, would you give us a little rambler? <laughs> just give us a little rambler, you know, a little property and okay. So that's just again my experience in God directing me and my thoughts and my I believe that peace is a really important part of hearing and critiquing and confirming the Holy Spirit in your life. I also try to stay open and listening to suggestions. Calvary Chapel South began as a suggestion. We're, we're in Japan, three couples, riding around in the van, ministering music, and someone, were reading the book Harvest, and Robert and Kim Case, Robert said, hey, let's start a South End Bible study. Just a suggestion? I said, okay. He said, I'll do music, you teach. Okay, let's go see what that, and that's how, we, it was just a suggestion in reading a book that happened. I try to stay tuned to suggest, I try to stay open to what, you know, sometimes that's really hard, is it not? We sort of got our understanding of what's happening, and we're and for someone to suggest something else, you go, well, you gotta we gotta take time, and I also I believe time is on our side. God's not in a hurry. Give him the time needed to direct your thoughts and direct your decisions. I think time is on our side. And if we can redeem the time, it will work for us. Now, I also believe that we can relinquish that time, relinquish a decision, and it will hinder us going on. In other words, don't be double-minded. Make the decision. James says that. Don't be double-minded. Make the decision. And so there comes a time when a decision must be made. And I say to you, as with myself, we need to make the decision, and then God can move us on from it. Would you say amen to that? Sometimes you just need to make the decision. You don't know. Both seem good. Make the decision and watch God. Because what God can do is he can redirect that decision right back to what he wanted you to do. You may make the decision. God is, again, master at redirecting our lives. Now, another thing that I would share. There are times when I just need to repent and get right with God. There are times when I just need to repent and get right with God. And that's the Holy Spirit. James said this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What he's saying is you cannot be sinning and carrying on that way and expect also to be directed by God. You can't do it. So if you're double-minded, in other words, you're, you know what's right, but you're going on and doing what's wrong, it is going to be impossible for you to move on. So that's what he's saying. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. The problem of the heart, there are times when I just need to repent and get right with God. He said, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And Here's the kicker. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That's what God wants to do. You get right with him, he will lift you up. He'll give you a whole new vista by which you can see what's going on. And so maybe this morning for some of you, you need to repent. You need to get right with God. You're double-minded about things. You're allowing things to go on, and yet you know it's not right. I ask you and plead with you, hey, turn to God. Humble yourself, and he will lift you up. Let your laughter be turned. Really take to heart this area of sin in your life and say, I need to get right with God. I've learned that staying on course, and what I wrote here is, Staying on course, finding and holding steady to true north, if you will, is in keeping my eye on a brightly shining star and the star's name is commitment. Commitment. I believe that God uses what we commit to to grow us up in our faith. And as we make a commitment, let your yes be yes, you know, as we make that commitment, God knows that. He's gonna walk us through it. And as we make that commitment and stay true to what commitments we've made, God will bring us to a depth of faith in him and love for him and faith in other people and love for other people that we would have never experienced because we jettisoned a commitment we made. Now, I know there's a lot to that, and we don't have time this morning to get into that. I know there's a lot of factors that come into that. I think the main area that I see the need for that, obviously, is in marriage, that we've made a commitment before God and come For better or for worse, we're going to stick to that marriage. And as we do, God forges in us a great, deep love. But I know there are a lot of things that go along with that. So, again, commitment to me is a huge thing as far as hearing and being directed by the Holy Spirit. A couple more thoughts as we go. So, verse 2, it says, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. Notice what it says there, verse 2. Separate to me. Which I have called them, the Holy Spirit is the person of what's going on here. Calling them to the work, calling them to himself. Then having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them, they sent them away. So again, catch what the Holy Spirit's saying as best you can. Critique all these things, critique them. Take them through the word of God as you will. Filter them through your own thoughts and desires. Fellowship and counsel. Having fasted and prayed, then confirm that calling. And here's the beautiful thing it says they, they laid hands on them. That's to affirm them in their calling. In Acts chapter 6, when they're having trouble uh, with, the, with their ministry of food, they prayed, seven men were chosen, they laid hands on them. Paul told Timothy this Let no one despise your youth. Be an example to the believer in word, in conduct, in love. In spirit, in faith, in purity. He says, till I come, give attention to reading. That's the word of God. To exhortation, that's the word of God. To doctrine, that's the word of God. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So Timothy was a timid, seems to be a timid, uh, uh, Paul's disciple, timid. God's not given us a spirit of fear. He seemed to be timid. So Paul is always confirming and reaffirming to him his calling, his gifts that God called to, and we need that, do we not? You need it, and I need it. Just a confirming, a reaffirmation that the things that you're doing, you're on track, God's with you, we need that. And that's a big part, I believe, of staying on course and staying hearing from the Holy Spirit. Paul told Timothy also this, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift which is in you, which is given you t- on the laying on of my hands. Paul laid on him. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, Timothy, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So this whole idea of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, get out there, church. We need the the continual reaffirmation, what God's given to us and what God's called us to. Do we not? And we need that. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, went to Seleucia. Now at this point, first missionary journey, Paul's probably in his early 40s when this started. First missionary journey lasts about one and a half years. The second one, which we'll be getting to about uh, two and a half years, and then the final one, four and a half to five years. Up the third, there was a fourth one. We went to Rome. Many times that's not called a missionary journey, but it was a missionary journey, so that's the fourth one. So these missionary journeys got a little longer each time. He's in about in his 40s. A year and a half, he's gone. Jeff and Sarah, let me ask you, 12 years went by very fast, didn't they? I think of John and Wendy, how you were out in the mission field in Panama for 12 years. Before that, five years with, with the same organization. It goes by so fast. And here now, you've been here, what, 12 years? So time goes by so fast. I say this. Get out there and make the most of every year the Lord gives you. What's it going to be? Make the most of it. Get out there. Time goes by too quick. I'll look at the map next week. So when they had gone through the island, so they go the length length of, of, of Cyprus preaching the gospel. A very exciting time. They get out there. And they're experiencing things they have never experienced, and that's what God wants. He wants to make it exciting. It's going to be intense at times. They run up against this Ilimus, who is a a sorcerer, take the name of Son of Jesus, actually, Bar-Jesus. So they run into all the opposition, which is what's going to happen when we get out there. Someone said, there are three kinds of people in the world. Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who wonder what happened. I believe the Holy Spirit is the one that makes things happen. So when we get out there, it's exciting. It'll get intense. But the Holy Spirit can make things happen. So get out there, church, and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Now, the second thing, and I'm just going to hit these because I know we're out of time. But let me hit them for you. The second sort of doable. Develop a good working knowledge of the Scriptures day by day. The Holy Spirit of God working through the Word of God transforms your life for God. Develop a good working knowledge of Scriptures day by day. And by the way, if you've been doing our, through the year, uh, a two-year through the Bible reading plan, uh, yesterday began the final part, part six. So if you've been doing that, we're on the final leg right now where you would have read through your Bible in two years. And unsadly to say, Most Christians have never read even a small part of their Bible. I believe, and you've heard this from me before, I believe that we need to have a regular reading through the Scriptures. Hearing from the Lord. Knowing what He said. See, when I read the Bible, I don't have to wonder, is this God speaking? It's God speaking. So in this chapter, let me give it to you. Chock full of the Scriptures. Verse 1, teachers of what? The Word. Verse 5, preach the Word. Verse 7, sought to hear the word of God. Verse 12, the teaching of the Lord. Uh, verse 15, the reading of the law and the prophets. Uh, verse 15, any word of exhortation for the people, say on. A summary of the Old Testament. Ba- Paul gives them a Bible study is what he does when he stands up. He gives them a Bible study all about their history, which we have today. He gives them a Bible study in verses uh, fi- 16 through 25. There's the promise of God. There's the word of this salvation. There's the voices of the prophets are read every Sabbath fulfilled what was written in the scriptures. It also says in the Psalms, it says in another Psalm, being spoken in the prophets, declared to you these words, preached to you the next Sabbath, hear the word of God. They were contradicting and opposing the word of God. It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. They were glad and glorified the word of the Lord and I'm running out of breath. You got it? I hope and I believe that this is what is, is going on for our church. That we understand our need like it says there, to develop a good working knowledge of the scriptures. It's amazing to me with the, with the disciples. They had that, these supposedly un, uneducated men. Do you have that? That's why I said day by day. You can only do it day by day. And then at the end of the year, you've read through the whole Bible. Wow, that's, that's, that's a, a venture, and that's an adventure to do that. So Saul goes out. <clears throat> I'll be done. I hope you've gleaned something here. I I got a million things (laughs) I'd like to share with you. But here, let me just simplify it and and sum it up. God wants to use your life and do great things through it. He has called you as a believer to preach the gospel. The gospel is a power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So as we get out there, depend on God the Holy Spirit from the very beginning to the very end. As we get out there and develop a good working knowledge of the scriptures day by day, no matter where our sphere of influence be, no matter what I'm beginning or ending, the final one is when we get out there and declare the glad tidings of Jesus the Savior as often as possible, you will see what God can do in your life and I will see what God can do in my life. Amen? And that's what we want. That's what I want. And I believe you do too, believers. So would you please bow your heads and close your eyes and pray right now for a moment? Because coupled with each one of these studies, if you're here, we want to give you an opportunity this morning to come to Christ, to come to Jesus, as is preached in Acts 13, and get your life right with God. In so doing, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you're going to leave this building a new creation in Christ, born again. So I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. I'm going to ask you to raise up your hand so I can see it and hold that up so I can acknowledge you. Second, I'm going to ask you to stand up where you are in obedience to what Jesus said, confessing him before men. And when you obey God, God backs that up. When you obey God, all the excuses, all the fears, all the reasons that you have for not obeying God are done because now you've obeyed God. And Jesus said, if you confess him, he'll confess you. And then he asks you to walk up to the tables where someone will pray for you. And they'll pray with you. And they'll pray just, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I repent of my sin. I need your forgiveness. And I'm asking for you to forgive me through what Jesus did on the cross. I'm asking you, Lord, to give me life, eternal life. I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit and bring me into your family. And through that prayer, whoever calls on the name the Lord shall be saved. You will experience this thing called new life, salvation. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you right now, just as so we're praying, and it's a battle, to raise your hand up so I can see it. And keep it up there, if you would, for a moment. I've missed hands in this time before. You want to get right with God. The most important decision you'll ever make. And believe as we're praying. Maybe someone is battling right here, right now. We're praying. Just another minute, just in prayer. That's you. I need to get, I need to get things right with God this morning. As we sing this last song, either while we're singing it or after, people at the side tables will pray for any need that you have this morning. And not only this morning, but they have committed themselves to praying for you this whole week about that matter or about that person, whatever it might be. So, again, if you need prayer of any kind, either while we're singing or after service, please make your way to the tables. Let's sing this last song. Let me just ask you, as I have before, as we're singing at some point, just stand before the Lord. And I, for me this morning, it's just thankful that he's given to me of his Holy Spirit and that he wants to take my life and use it up for things that matter. So let's do that together, and then I'll come and close. It.